This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Greetings, Blenders, and welcome once again to Real Blend, a podcast that doesn't believe X-Men Dark Phoenix is an actual film. <laughs> <laughs> Milestone time, ladies and gentlemen. This, wow. The, what? Off we're, the bat, dude. We're going back to that? I mean, listen, I don't really know this is a movie that's happening. They keep pushing it back and pushing it back, and they came up with a trailer that looked like it had footage just recycled from previous X-Men Sean, films. there's a difference between don't believe it's happening and just don't care, and I think yeah. I'm the latter. <laughs> you might be there, too. So might everybody at Fox as they look to Marvel yeah. to please rescue us from whatever we're, whatever hole we've dug ourselves into. Um, milestone time. This is real blend number 40. Yeah, it is. The big 4-0. And that means that by now you guys know the drill. So I'm not going to do this every single week because I'm tired of doing this. <laughs> I'm Sean O'Connell. I'm managing editor of Cinema Blend. Joining me each and every week, as you all know, because you tune in and you listen to us, is Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hello, BDK. Good afternoon, Sean and Jake. And I cannot wait to debate and find out why. And Jake and I will prove why. Sean is extremely wrong this about his unfair. opinion. It, it, this it, is it, unfair it, because I don't know Jake's opinion and you were at the junket with him. It's actually gotten to a point where yeah. this is no longer an opinion. I, I hate You're, it when mom and dad fight. Sean is just wrong about first right. man. So it's not, it's not an opinion. He's just wrong. The other uh, Here's the deal. Here. Is it you can't take that attitude because I'm going to rip you apart when we go to Monster Blend. The other um, voice you hear is Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jake. Jonathan. How are you, sir? I'm good. Very good. Well, now that Kevin's almost tipped his hand to where Jake is going to land on the first man uh, debate, but we will settle that in a little bit. We have so much show. We have an insane amount of show uh, to get to. Big movies, big time movies that we can finally sink our teeth into. Venom, Stars Born, First Man. Uh, Later on in the show, we are playing, since we decided in October that we're going to do Halloween-themed, horror-themed blend game activities. We went with Monster what, 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 What theme was that, did you say, Sean? horror blend halloween blend you yeah take note of that kids if you're playing along at home because that's gonna be a sticking point although i'm i may i may lean with kevin in this one so oh no i'm just saying we'll see okay we'll see I and only because we, we we know kevin's pick you guys don't know my pick and i don't know Sean's right pick. right okay so um if you so over on itunes um reviews we're still trying to collect reviews we're still at 54 star ratings right now, and we have until December 31st to reach 100, a self-stated goal of 100. And if we don't get there, Jake is getting kicked off this program. I swear to God, he's out of here. So <laughs> I, I like that you think that I'll still be on this program by the time we get to the end of the year. Well, that's uh, very optimistic of you. I don't think Jake knows this, but I did. I spoke to Damien Chazelle, and he's totally open to be um, our third person. So uh, if we don't reach that star rating, it's D, a- it's D, it's DC. But then I told him. Sean's review and he changed his mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you do go over to the iTunes and leave us a review, uh, we have promised to read it on the show and we have two. So last week I mentioned that we got a review that gave us five stars. Both of these are five star reviews, but tell me after I've read them, whether they both sound like five star reviews, because as I'd argue, this first person doesn't like us all that much. 
um, but gave us five stars anyway. Um, they say the the headline is we all all we know is it's cool, which is a Sean Parker quote from Social Network. I'm guessing, okay. right? Okay, all right. Good reference, good reference, okay. and find our Fincher blend episode because uh, that was good one for us. He says or she says, I love the people who enjoy this is good. I love the people who enjoy movies have a platform to express that love and also share it with their friends and an audience. Listening to the past few episodes of your show, it sometimes comes off to me that you guys forget about the fourth person you're talking to, which is the audience. As much as I enjoy tangents, it sometimes happens. I don't even know where you guys are going with something, and I'm just waiting for you guys to stop broing down. For instance, the back is to this school game? blend. <laughs> the back to school <laughs> blend ended up just turning into bathroom blend anyway. This is Gabe. And you guys are talking about potty humor for three minutes. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, he says, but it leaves me wondering when you're going to focus up again and move on to things. I listen to movie podcasts to gain other people's insight, and people that work on news websites tend to have a great insight into both the industry and the art. I feel you guys have that, but then you get caught up in being friends and one another, and I get lost. Well, that's our show, so... <laughs> then he you, says, you, thank you for making the show, and I appreciate you taking the time to do it, exclamation point, and gave us five stars. Here's the thing about that review. Yeah. Um, I respect... I mean, if anybody wants to come on and say what we're, if, what they think we're doing wrong... I am all for that, but I am going to, before you open up the show that anyone that wants to be on it, let's, let's scale that back a little bit. Wait, he's not wrong. What I mean by what he said, what what I mean by what I just said was I'm open to criticism. And if you have negative things to say about our show, we are, we are going to listen to it obviously. And we'll, we'll talk about it, but the negative elements of that review, in my opinion, are what make our show great. That we are friends, that we go off on tangents, that we do talk about movies, that we that we are talking as if we were just hanging out and having fun. I I think acknowledging. Listen, I, I I we know we have an audience, but I think the beauty of our show is that we are just talking about movies as if we are friends and people are listening into us. That's the way I look at our yeah. show. So yeah. I just I disagree with the idea that we need to. Listen, the potty humor thing, fine. We did that one show. That was a joke we did, bathroom blend. That's fine. I get that. That can be a negative thing. But listen, I think everything else about that review and the negative side is what makes our show great, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I think you're absolutely right, Kevin. There's also an element of sort of like, with all due respect to the person that wrote the review, because I appreciate anyone that takes the time to listen to multiple episodes and then to take the time to write a review and still give us five stars despite having issues. Um, it's, it's one of those, you got to know what you sign up for things. Uh, one of my, one time my parents said that they didn't want to watch a Quentin Tarantino movie because all of his characters talk too damn much. And I said, well, that's, that's kind of just his movies yep. guys. And so it's one of those that like, if you don't like the inherent foundation of, right. of from which we're building the show, then, then I, I have a hard time recommending us to you. Well, let's move on to the second review where movie Mandy dubs us the three movie tiers, which I didn't get. Like it took me, it actually took me a full minute to understand like that was a Musketeers reference. I'm really slow, mind you, but it's just weird. It doesn't roll, doesn't roll off the tongue like that. And she says, I'm fortunate to know two third, two thirds of the blend brothers and trust that hearing them talk about movies in person is just as entertaining as on a podcast. I was a fan even before knowing them. 
knowledgeable, funny, and insightful. A rare blend these days when it comes to talking movies and more. And I think that that is very sweet. Probably one of your junket friends, I would imagine. Junket. Yeah. A yeah junketeer. That's, that's, uh, that is a, a friend of ours. Who is this? Uh, it's a friend of ours. Why is there a secrecy about? Oh no, it's not a secret. It's it's, it's, uh, it's Lights, Amanda. Camera it's, uh, Jackson. Yeah, it's it's Amanda. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Who's, a good uh, who does junkets um in in L. A. Nice. Oh, wait, no. oh, it actually is Amanda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you said Lights, Camera Jackson. I got confused for a second. No, I was kidding. Okay. Okay. I don't All think right. Lights, Camera Jackson listens to us. He wait, may. Wait, wait. I don't know. Can we give Amanda a plug for her? Because she works for Fox in LA. She's awesome. Yeah. She covers yeah, she movies does great. too. So she does so. what we do for, for Fox right. in LA. She's fantastic. Just sure. find her on Instagram or, or Twitter. Amanda Salas is her name. Yeah. Look her Very up. Nice. She's really great. She's great at what yeah. she does. Good. Very cool. Um, we are diving into news before we get to. So in a little bit, we're going to do some first man conversation. We're going to remind you guys how much we love uh, Star is Born. We are going to briefly talk about Venom to just give you guys something to set up. Um, I've seen it. Jake and Kevin will see it tonight. No, tomorrow. Tomorrow. I believe. Tomorrow. Night. Tomorrow. But that doesn't matter whenever you guys download us. And um, <laughs> then we will play a monster blend. So we can dive into Venom a little bit later uh, in more detail next week. Uh, and especially First Man, which feels like a movie we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks and or months. But I want to start with... Um, a, a movie or news that's very much in our wheelhouse, which is some PG-13 Deadpool that I don't necessarily understand because um, it feels like it's some people are saying it's a new movie. Some people are saying it's a PG-13 cut of Deadpool 2. And if that's the case, I don't get that. That doesn't seem like something I'm interested in. Am I way off base? What is that? Do you guys know what this um, is? I don't know. Kevin, sell it to me. No, no. I honestly don't know the full details about it either. I, I just know that they released the it's on the 20th century fox calendar um yeah i don't i don't i honestly don't don't know i don't okay. know I, I don't know if that means it's a it, it's it's the same movie with less curse words or um like there's huge chunks of that movie that you would have to get rid of to keep a pg-13 movie and again to not get into huge spoilers for people who maybe haven't seen deadpool yet but like anything with the x-force team and that whole thing has to go, I would assume. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not really that interested in another R-rated Deadpool, so a PG-13 one really doesn't interest uh, me either. Hey, Jake, can you uh, just toss out some of that haterade of yours right behind your right behind your uh, shoulder there? Because you, Jake, Jake, Jake just doesn't love Deadpool. That's fine. I'm a, I'm wearing Deadpool pants right now. I love Deadpool. Um, I will stand watch, up. Let me see. I will watch uh, anything yes. Deadpool. I will watch well, anything Deadpool. If it, but a PG-13 cut of the existing movie? I don't think it's exactly that. Okay. I, I I would imagine that there's going to be um, something else to it besides that. Um, I mean, I, there's 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 a lot of articles out there that are speculating what that will actually be, I believe. And I believe Reynolds had tweeted some certain certain things about it. Or Well, he tweeted know. a photograph of himself with Fred Savage. Okay. And they are replicating the Princess Bride... Uh, reading a bedtime story of which, of course, young Fred Savage was the boy in the bed. Right. And it's Deadpool being the grandfather reading a story to him. So I don't know if that's their gateway into uh, it. I mean, if they do that setup and then it's like three original Deadpool short stories, I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah, but I, I think, I, yeah, I think, the, I, listen, I think they can play around with it. Listen, I think Ryan Reynolds is a huge fan of the, like the home release element of certain things. And I think to taking different cuts and different things. And I don't know. I, the, the, the idea of a PG 13 Deadpool being just a literal PG 13 version of Deadpool two. I highly doubt that they would do something like that. I think Ryan Reynolds is a, a lot more clever in the sense that they're going to do something fun with that rating. Like they'll probably I do agree, I do agree with Kevin. 
I don't think you're going to go to a movie theater and watch a 45-minute cut of Deadpool 2. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to get... I mean, like you said, Sean, there's that image he tweeted out. I think there... There, there, I think there's just things. I think, I think it's gonna be a newer element that we're not understanding fully yet. I think what, what really happened, right? So the day that that news came out, the Dark Phoenix movie got delayed, right? And then yeah. they put Deadpool <clears throat> two PG thirteen on their calendars. So the people started speculating what that meant. Right. So yeah, I don't. I have a feeling that that's gonna be something more than just a thirteen cut of the movie, in my opinion. But, but arguably, like, we think that they are testing a PG thirteen Deadpool because he's eventually gonna be in the MCU. No, 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 well, no, no, no. We 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 already know that Bob Iger said that Deadpool will remain R. In yeah, the, but, but then again, the, st- the studio rep for Sony also said, didn't they say like Venom was going to be R? And now he's going back and saying like, yeah, but who? I don't know why people thought it was going to be R. And they found a but, quote that, that it was him saying that it was going to be R rated. <laughs> who Fleischer, said this? I don't think Ruben Fleischer, Ruben Fleischer didn't shoot an R rated Venom, did he? No. There was, a, there was an interview with, I think, the producer who recently, I think at the premiere at the junket, was telling people, I don't know why everyone's disappointed that it's not rated R. I don't know what, where they got the idea. And then someone went and found an old article when they started shooting that was like, I don't know how to make it any other way than R-rated. Of course it's going to be R-rated. And it's like, that's that's why everyone thought it was going to be R-rated. Hey, yeah. how do you think about, how do you think the studio felt when Tom Hardy answered that his favorite part of the movie was cut out? Did, didn't make it. He clarified that, by the way. I saw an yeah, IGN. I didn't think he did a very good job of clarifying it. I saw that, I, you saw that IGN. That so, IGN yeah, but to me, it looked like he was yeah. backtracking a little well, bit. I, I, I think the real answer came the first time. What I gather, what I gather from the interview clips I've seen with Hardy is that a lot. Did you guys read this story? Uh, and I, I can't, I can't. I think the gentleman's name is Mike Ryan, who wrote an article interviewed Ruben Fleischer. He came across my Twitter timeline. Um, there was like this random scene, and Sean, you've seen it, so you'll know where apparently Venom jumps into a lobster tank yeah. uh, at some point. Apparently, that was completely Tom Hardy's idea. He was just on set one day, and they were in a fancy restaurant, and they looked at a tank and he goes, Oh, I want to go in there. I don't know yeah. how, I don't, I don't know what the context of the story is or, or whatever. And I'm not trying to spoil anything. I haven't seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but my opinion of the matter and is that there is some type of a lot of improv went on this set. That's what it sounds like. And apparently Tom Hardy said there's hours of things that they shot. Um, I haven't seen the film. I've heard that it, there's an element of comedy and also horror to it. And, and, and things like that. So I would imagine that there's lots of scenes that he wishes appeared in the film that maybe he came up with that just didn't make the final cut for story purposes. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 every time an article comes out like that where someone, an actor, says something like that, I always think to myself, is this really what he meant or what they said? I mean, everything gets taken out of context these days. So I, 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 need, to, I need more information on that. I will tell you v- about that room in particular just because it's we're going to talk about Venom, Venom in a minute bit, in a Good Lord, what happened to my mouth? Venom in a minute. Um, yeah, no, actually, venom try, in a minute. Try, try, try and say that three times fast. Venom in a minute. Venom in a minute. Venom in a minute. <laughs> that room was Tom Hardy and Riz Ahmed paired, and you guys have run into this situation a hundred times, I guarantee it. They were more interested in entertaining each other than they were in participating in the actual press day, which happens. I mean, Which is happens. a bummer because you're someone that actually asks you to, the kind of questions that you think the talent wants to hear. Like you're, you're not going in there trying to ask personal questions and they're blowing you off. Like you're asking questions about the film and the content and, and, and what you're actually there for. So it's frustrating sure. that they would do that. What, and I will say that I went a little bit later in the day and this is my takeaway. I, I know nothing about what happened, but this is the sense I got. Those two would 
play a game in between each other when you asked a question. Um, but we had six or seven minutes, which is a longer slot, um, which is great because it allowed them the ability to do that. And then Hardy would very quickly give you a legitimate answer, which was actually well thought out and um, gave us something we could run. And I left that room with the impression that the studio might have said to him, uh, look, you can play around if you want to, but you have to give these people some answers. You know, you're the lead. <laughs> you're the yeah. star of this movie and they need to bring something home. It can't just be you two guys messing around with each other the whole time. So, I, but I do think that in them riffing off of each other, Hardy might have been honest, but he might also just been sort of going for the laugh too, where the guy said, what was your favorite part? And he's like, oh, I didn't even make the movie. Yeah. So I can't, I can't no, tell Kevin, fair. like that's you're fair. saying, I don't know if it was humorous here. But it went every that quote went everywhere. I yes. will say this: Ruben Fleischer, um, Zombieland is one of my favorite movies. I love Zombieland, and I, I think that, of you know, all so, time, oh, of all time. But my, oh. I mean, it's one of my favorite recent films. I mean, I love okay. that movie. Plus, I'm a, I'm a big Metallica fan, so I was always appreciated that opening with uh, "For Whom the Bell Tolls" and like the slow mo. And it was it was a real and Woody Harrelson's so great in that movie. It's clever. Um, Ruben works really good in R rating uh, with that particular film. Like you can tell, that R rating kind of suits him, especially Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick's script in that in Zombieland, Gangster Squad. Um, I really think that that movie would have been better had we seen the original version. But we all remember what happened, right? With the with they had to reshoot that, which which was totally yeah. understandable, and I totally get it. Um, but that movie, when that happened, that was a that was a bad thing for that film. Do you remember? I this, forget. Sean? Was there a shooting? Yeah. Yeah, there was a, so the Ruby shooting, theater. the Dark Knight oh, really? shooting, the Dark Knight Rises okay. shooting um, had it. You know, remember the gentleman walked into the theater and shot yeah, people. Yeah. Um, so there was a scene in Gangster Squad where I believe they were behind the screen. Oh right, they, right, and right. They were shooting right. the audience. Yeah. Um, so Ruben Fleischer and the filmmakers and everybody had to go back and reshoot that scene. I can't remember what it ended up being. It was like a car chase, right, Jake, or something like that, or yeah, it was the, yeah. whatever the new scene was. Um, so yeah, I, I, Ruben's like one for one, in my opinion. But Venom... Well, he did 30 minutes or less also, didn't he? With yeah, you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah, wow. I didn't really love that movie either. So yeah. I, I don't know. Venom Venom to me is interesting. I saw someone online, and I don't know who to give credit to for this. They said it was almost like watching Liar Liar um, with Venom mm. like going back and forth between Eddie. Uh, and I, I thought that was There's an interesting comparison. I can't remember who said that online, so if, if anybody knows, please give them credit. But... Uh, I thought it was a cool comparison. So I'm I'm actually excited to see it based on the lukewarm reviews only because I think it's going to be interesting. But Sean, I know we'll get to your review in a second, but, um, but yeah. We'll you brought up the, the one movie that, that I really think Ruben Fleischer made that works is um, Zombieland. And it's because of uh, Rhett, uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, I think. Yeah, it's well, obviously their script. If they worked on a Venom script, it'd be a whole other story. Wernick and Reese, by the way, wrote the script for Michael Bay's new movie, which is going to be, I think that's going to be awesome. That Six Underground film with Ryan Reynolds, that Netflix one. That's interesting. Um, so they wrote that script too. So those guys, I mean, they're great writers. So I'm, we, I'm in, I'll watch anything they do. We talked briefly about this, but Dark Phoenix has been pushed back. It is now um, June instead of February. We got our first trailer, which we haven't talked about yet on the show. Tell me, uh, all right off the bat, if that got you excited for the next chapter in the X-Men saga. Jake. It's funny because trailers are supposed to sort of announce that a movie's coming. Is it horrible that I forgot that it that movie even existed until the trailer came out? And I went, oh, that's right. Yeah. It and then really not only that, feels but like it dropped. They were like, oh, yeah, but not in February. Yeah, in yeah. June. just kidding. It in June. sort of felt like 
they went and collected all of the deleted scenes over the past <laughs> few X-Men movies and just kind of stitched something together. And it's like, we need, like, and you know what's sad? Is that with every scene as it progressed in the trailer and it showed a different A-list actor that has returned, I went, really? Yeah, <laughs> came back. Yeah, yeah. Dude. McAvoy to come. Jennifer Lawrence came back for this. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. that was my biggest impression. Is how the hell did they get everyone to come back for that? And I feel so bad for Sophie Turner because this is her moment, and I genuinely could not care less. Jake, Jake just completely said exactly what I felt when I watched the trailer, <laughs> and I, I, and I didn't know how to explain it because when I saw like Fastbender or Jennifer Lawrence, I, I had that same feeling. I'm like. Wait, real? They're they're in they're in this movie. I had no yeah. idea. And it, it, honestly, you're Jake. It did feel like it was like extra cut scenes from like other <laughs> X Men films. It honestly felt like that. You're 100 percent right. I, and I don't think it is weird because I think Simon Kimberg. I think he does good work as a producer. I I don't know that is he is this his directorial debut, Sean? It is. Uh, yes. Okay. I mean, he's co-written and produced all the other X Men films up to this point, but um, yeah, this is his first time directing. Yeah, Jake just couldn't have said that better about how I felt. It was one of those weird things where I'm like, wait, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is actually in this. I thought the same thing. I had well, no idea. And I mean, there was no set piece. There was nothing that no. stood out. Of it no. was like just dialogue shots and. And again, that montage of look who we still have in this. But what really bothers me so much about it is with First Class, when they got all those actors, they were amazing casting coups that you were like, Fastbender is Magneto. And now they just keep doing it to the point where we're worn out by it. It's like, really? You don't have to bring the problem with the first X-Men films that's now a problem with the new X-Men films is that they just do the same characters every single time. Each new movie should be a whole nother cast of new characters recast with different people. All right, let me, I'm gonna make a statement. I'm I'm curious if you guys agree with me. Um, Best, I'll say best X-Men scene and best X-Men, best X-Men scene and best X-Men movie. Uh, I think the X-Men film overall is Days Days of Future Past. I think that's Mm -hmm. the best one. Uh, Best X-Men scene is a toss-up between Fassbender's bar scene and X-Men First Class with the, with the, uh, what is the line? Which one do you want to shed first, blood or honor or whatever it was? And he, and he kills the guys at the bar or... Mm -hmm. Nightcrawler's opening an X2 in the White House. Nightcrawler's opening is incredible. Those are strong. Nightcrawler's uh, intro is incredible. Um, I don't know what my favorite scene is. I can't even know if I can single one out. Um, Anything with Jackman's Wolverine in the first one. His bar fight when he first reveals his claws was incredible. I love that one. Um, They're all... The the problem with the X-Men movies is they all feel kind of generic. Yeah, well... I thought they, I thought first class. Besides the scene where they all name each other, when they yeah. have come up with this, oh, it's terrible. I, yeah, that that's bad. Yeah, as you, as you can tell, I have a problem with naming scenes. naming scenes. Um, <laughs> but but um, which, by the way, is funny because I'm watching Better Call Saul right now, and the other night, um, he explained why he was becoming Saul Goodman yeah. uh, in in the show, but it was it made sense because that's when the character was born the han solo sure. thing to me was this guy gave him his last name cuz he was by himself i think that's stupid but whatever yeah, um but I digress. in regards to x men you're right like there is a generic sense to them which is why logan was such a breath of fresh air because it was so it was what an x men movie would be had it been a super grounded film in reality um but yeah i think i still think the x2 opener is just unbelievable unbelievable yeah, it is great 
It's yeah. really good. For people who hear Daenerys, um, there's a window washer outside Jake's apartment right now. She's really not pleased. And Daenerys is super annoyed by the fact yeah. that this is happening. So. Yeah. And to give, yeah. to give a, a, a visual of our for our listeners who are listening on a download, Jake, uh, since we all have video on Skype, since we're live on Cinema Blend, um, we can actually see he turned around his computer to the window. There's genu- genuinely... A guy washing his window right now outside, <laughs> and his dog is freaking out. So that's what you're hearing. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, to answer your question, uh, can I say Logan is my favorite X Men movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll say Logan is my favorite X Men movie, See? and then my favorite scene is the final conversation. It's a simple scene, the final dialogue conversation between uh, Xavier and Magneto, Ian McKellen, and uh, and Patrick Stewart in the first one because it brought it down to a microcosm of these guys just being friends and on opposite sides of an issue. And to, that, that scene, um, just like really, that. I just, that was fantastic. That's a good to clarify one thing. My, when I said that just now, I didn't, I wasn't considering Deadpool or Logan in that mix. I was just considering. Okay. Up. Then I would say, I would say days of future past. Yeah. I mean, overall, yeah. Logan and Deadpool one are my two favorite X-Men films, but in regards to just straight up X-Men, yeah. the gang, the gang I is like days of future past a lot, but I think the first one might be my favorite. I think Brian Singer got as close as, as we've seen. I like X-Men one more than X two. I'm one of the, oh, so do I actually, so do I. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I, like I think, it. I think X one's a better movie than X two, but I think X two is a better opener. It's almost like when you look at the Indiana Jones trilogy, I think that Temple of Doom has the best opener yeah. of the of the trilogy. I but hate that not, opening. I no. hate that opening. Oh, I love that opening. Oh, I, you like that more than than the boulder? Yes, I think the opening of and of, the fertility title. What? Think, Who are I think, you? I think. Listen, I I think I think uh, I think Indy One and Indy Three Raiders and 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 Last Crusade are better, way better films than Temple of Doom. I, I'm not in that camp where I think Temple of Doom is, is a is not a great movie. I think it's a great film. I just uh. think that. See, I know. You, and you I, like the scene with the, with the, with the with the table rolling. Anything oh, goes. I, oh, I it's like great. Oh, it's God, fun. No. It's very fun. I, I yeah. don't like that but, sequence at all. But listen, I, I think a lot of people could agree that Temple of that scene has, yes. has a better opener. I think. It's um, no, I, I, no, I, I no very, one agrees with that. I want to very quickly tease that. Um, no one thinks that that's better than the boulder. For people you, who sir. enjoyed our two-hour tiff. Um, episode we may be doing another live show very soon together yeah, yeah we might because all three yeah, of us are going to london uh Wait. for bohemian rhapsody all right can we can we put this out publicly here can yeah. we somehow convince jake to stay for wembley stadium i yeah. can't like, stay for wembley stadium this is this is I mean, an off the air conversation but i have i you hear do you hear that whining in the background that is my child <laughs> i'm a single puppy father do you I want know. do you want to rob her of her father no. being home yes it's more time with all of us to hang out to together. be honest listen, jake listen to the listen to the cries look look at that face jake i'm actually I'm just being super selfish and want you to be there that's all then we have to uh-huh. figure well we'll figure out sometime while you're there to record an episode though am i right um and in addition to that we have something else that i want to tease for the show um gabe is doing his first junket gabe will be coming to chicago what what and he's going to do the widow's junket i'm sorry i'm sorry gabe's coming where gabe is coming to chicago he is going to do the widow's junket first time i've heard about this i wanted it to be on the show and then after we do the junket we're gonna get to critique gabe's work as a uh, junketeer Wait, on the show. Sean, are you hey, not Gabe, going to Chicago? Do you, do you see Do you see what's over my shoulder? That's a fold-out couch, brother. Yes. And that's got your name on it. Or you can stay in a five-star hotel that the studio <laughs> would you Oh, in. I'm sorry. Is my home not good enough for Gabe? 
I will say, I was in Chicago recently. I wanted to stay at the hotel. You know what? You know what? Maybe, Gabe, maybe you need to produce a new friend. Maybe you need to produce a third member of this team. Because you know what? You know what? I quit. Uh, uh, so, oh, come on. You can't force it. I will so say when, this. This was kind of a cool thing. So uh, I was, I'll keep this brief. I was in Chicago recently for night school. And Jake lives in Chicago, obviously. And my buddy Chris Van, Chris Van Vliet lives in Miami. So we were, we were in town. We saw night school. We went over to Jake's house. Uh, after the movie, and Jake was nice enough to to put on the Dark Knight for us, and we watched the Dark Knight scene where the truck flip happens with the eighteen wheeler, and then we were able to actually go to the street where the eighteen wheeler was flipped by Christopher Nolan and Wally Pfister in the Dark Knight, and actually I took a photo in the middle of the street after watching the scene in Jake's apartment, and that street at night looks exactly like Nolan shot it. It is scary how crazy it looks and i don't know if people know this there was a guy in that truck when they flipped that that was a stunt guy it was awesome so so what you're saying is you can essentially film a nolan scene with your phone yeah you hear <laughs> that, that wally fister he's coming yeah. after you he's coming <laughs> after you um so we will so in coming up we're gonna hopefully do a live show from london uh when the three of us are together and we're going to be able to critique gabe's um junket performance so look forward to that in uh coming episodes um i want to get into venom and again i'm the only one who's seen it but i think a lot of people are going to be able to download this podcast before the weekend and i just have to say so social media reaction broke we can't review it fully although we'll have a review on cinema blend very soon and then of course the guys are going to go see it on wednesday and um my twitter reaction to it was just that I'm disappointed um, that it just doesn't work. And it's, and it kind of needs to for Sony to be able to have their cinematic universe. And what the weirdest part about it is that you almost need Spider-Man uh, to be part of this universe, to make it interesting because Venom as a character and Kevin, you'll see this. And again, I don't want to really want to d- reveal too much of it. Um, it's just, he's not the way that they frame the character doesn't work without um in my opinion, without having Spider-Man as a as a motivation for this guy to get into the Venom symbiote suit and to go through the the narrative arc that they want him to go through. It felt to me, people are calling it dated. I'm seeing that reaction on social media a lot, like they feel like it's something from the early 2000s. It struck me as um, when they made Jennifer Garner's movie, Elektra, and they kind of made Elektra just because Daredevil was popular. But there was no reason for that movie to exist. And then you realize nobody cared about that character. That's how that was my takeaway from Elektra. And this is my takeaway from Venom. I was like, yeah, I just saw a Venom movie, but I don't really necessarily care that he exists. But is Venom like, okay, so Elektra, and I haven't seen Venom yet. Elektra is obviously considered, Elektra, Daredevil are considered to be very bad uh, superhero films. Yeah. Um, But I, is Venom on that level? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think that it's good. <laughs> but is it as problem. bad as those? Because those were bad. It's like close. Is, it Cat, is it Catwoman bad? No, whoever said it's Catwoman bad, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, and I don't think it's Fantastic Four Josh Trank bad either. I think that it's, um, I don't know, I'm trying to put it on a par with something. Uh, like the Ghost Rider movies. You know, the Ghost Rider movies had some technical aspects to them that were, you were like, oh, okay, that that works on that level. But um. Yeah, the, the CGI, you'll see, there's an action sequence that's teased in the trailers uh, that is him riding on a motorcycle. And I think in the early trailers, when you saw it happen, the motorcycle separates from him and the symbiote has to pull him back to it. Yeah. That got such a huge laugh in our theater. Ooh. And again, I don't, it's not supposed to. <laughs> and there are times in that sequence when I just think that like Tom Hardy wasn't even on a motorcycle. You know, like it's all... 
bad green screen and bad CGI. And the problem with the symbiote is just it's a CGI effect that has to be tinkered with right up until they release it. And in some scenes, it looks really good that we talked about the SWAT scene where he fights the SWAT that team. That scene's and, awesome. Yes, that yeah. scene works. Um, but when you get to the finale, you'll kind of realize that it just that scene is better than it. It's not too. It's not terrible. I haven't it's seen okay. the film. I yeah. it, that that's the only thing out of the marketing so far that's kind of like said, oh, that looks pretty cool. Like because the trailers weren't great. I I still don't trailers for for example. I don't love the Venom voice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that how that plays it. I'm sure it's a huge part because that, that's that isn't that the Venom character. It's, it's a huge part. Yeah. yeah so I part. again, I haven't seen the film. Jake hasn't seen the film. I see it tomorrow night in New York. Uh, I'm interested to see how it is. So we'll see. I would definitely say that for fans of the comics, there, there's going to be things in it that you probably like. Um, you'll be able to sort of justify it for a little for a little bit. I think I was able to justify it for about 45 minutes. And then I just got overwhelmed by the stuff that wasn't working. And I had to just finally cave and admit that uh, this isn't what I wanted it to be. <laughs> and I don't think it's what um, it's not the building block that Sony needs it to be in order to to keep going in this universe. So, yeah, I, no, I, 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 I get it. I, I'm still interested in seeing it. I'm, I'm hoping that it's uh, I've actually been reading articles this week about box office and the idea that there's a possibility Starsborn could be number one. The only thing that would be holding it back would be the IMAX 3D and the IMAX ticket prices for Venom. Um, and there's also more theaters for Venom. But if the reviews for Venom aren't great, and Starsborn, it seems like it's on track to make a lot of money, but the initial tracking showed Venom beating it. And I think that if, if you're going to make a bet on it, I would probably go Venom because of the IMAX 3D pricing and the number of theaters. But I don't know. We'll see. I would not be stunned if Venom wins the weekend. Because even with the reactions today, with people going mixed to negative, most of the people underneath it would say, I still want to see it for myself. Uh, I don't really care about reviews. And I think they might power it to a big opening weekend. But we, there's no arguing that Star is Born is the far better movie. And it was really funny. I was listening to an old episode where the weekend after um, Ready Player One, we were all discussing whether Quiet Place would knock it off. And we were like, I think Quiet Place could do like 20, 25. What, it ended Jake up doing was, like 45? It did like 60. <laughs> it opened like 60. So yeah. the point is, it's just really hard to predict. You don't really know where people are going to go. Um, but I, I think both could do really well. I think both could do well this weekend. So we will get around to Star is Born um, in a little bit because we just want to. We, we Everybody should go and check out our Toronto episode. It's a two-hour episode. It's the one where we all saw Star is Born for the first time and kind of gushed about it. But um we need to dive into the other big title that's not coming till next week. So we're not going to get into any spoilers for this, but it's a movie we've been tracking for a while. Um, obviously, it's from one of the patron saints of Real Blend, Mr. Damien Chazelle. The guys went down to Florida to check it out. They have interviews on their YouTube channels. Kevin, did you post yours yet? Yeah, yours mine, my, yeah mine are up, yeah. There are interviews on the YouTube channel. I want to get to Junket Stories. But more importantly... Setting up this week's episode, heading into this, um, we had sort of staked out our claims. Uh, Kevin saying First Man, we're talking about First Man, obviously. Uh, Kevin saying First Man is a masterpiece. Uh, me saying I'm, I'm, I like it, but I left disappointed by it. And uh, we left it to Jake to break the tie. Jake, without necessarily giving us, I mean, and you can, you can give us your full breakdown of what it is, but I just need you to reveal what side you're leaning closer to masterpiece or okay. And head issues. I'm leaning closer to Kevin's side. I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but it's amazing. It's an amazing film. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, I gotta I gotta go with Kevin on this one if I'm being honest. All right, thank you for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate <laughs> you. Uh... Watching episode 40 of Real Blood. Uh, all right, so come on, start weighing in, because Kevin and I have had our say. Yeah. Where, where where, are you with this? How did you feel watching it? No, It's amazing. And remember, but just, we have to remember right. that yes. other people haven't seen it. Other you know? people haven't seen it. Yeah. Here's, here's what I'm telling people, is that it is not a movie about a guy trying to find a place on a moon. It is not, like, really, if you're going to for the moon landing sequence... I don't want to say you're going to be disappointed, but it's it's the end of the film. It's what, like maybe the last 15 minutes of the movie? Sure. Like, if, if that. But what you're getting is a movie about a guy that can't find a place on Earth. He does not, he doesn't really mesh well with people. He doesn't, he, you know, like his, his wife has to try to explain to him why he needs to speak to his kids before he walks out the door to go to the moon. Like, he doesn't understand why he needs to do that. So, it's really... A seventy million dollar character study of a of a national hero who wanted to be anything but. He didn't mm-hmm. want the acclaim that came with it. He didn't want the attention that that came with it. All he wanted to do, he just enjoyed the work. And what an interesting position to be in. And and you grow up reading that chapter of American history, but at no point and hearing the name Neil Armstrong and, and knowing the quote that he says. But at no point in my life have I ever stopped and went wait. Did he want any of this? Like he didn't want the entire world to only know his name and not be able to tell you the name of all the other people that contributed with, you know, with, with Apollo 11. He, you know, one of that's one of the things his, his sons told me this weekend is because I asked, you know, what would he what would he think of all of this? And they said he would spend this entire I said, you know, if he were doing junket interviews, what would he say? And then <laughs> one, he wouldn't do junket interviews. <laughs> but two, he would spend the entire time trying to tell you about all the contributions that the other people made that that ties in with why I love this movie is that it's not a moon landing movie. It's a movie about Neil Armstrong and, and I loved sort of this deep character study. And I thought, you know, I, it's not a very showy role for Ryan Gosling, but I thought he did an amazing job. Um, I think incredible direction uh, from Damien Chazelle. He, he took all the cliches that I thought were going to happen in a space movie that I think were taught to me by Apollo 13, uh, not, not knocking Apollo, I love Apollo 13, not knocking that movie, but there are certain things that that movie trained me to think were going to happen. Like when they landed on the moon, I assumed there would be a shot that everyone, you know, everyone at NASA cheering and everything, and you never get that because it's about Neil Armstrong. It's not about the world, you know? It's, it's, uh, and so that's why I, I really very much uh, uh, love the movie. Okay, interesting. Um, how many, would you see it contending for best picture? Contending, oh, yeah. not, not, not nominated, contending. No. No, nominated for sure. What are you nominated talking about? for? Are we talking nomination or are we talking contending? No, contending. contending. I'm, I'm assuming that Universal is going to push it in. I, 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 I think it's too cold. I'd argue it's too. Cold. I, I think I think it's too yeah, cold. Dunkirk, and I'm not really... knocking it, but if a dunk, I mean, was Dunkirk a, really a contender by the time we got to the Oscars? Well, no, no, no. Uh, wait, are you saying is it going to be nominated or is it going to win? I'm contender. Contend. Is it a contender? Contend. Is it a contender to win? To win right no. now? Could it be? Fe- could it no, feel like we a already contender? know? We already know it's going to win the award this year. It's already done. Star you think born. it's Star is Born? 100%. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, no, no, no. Jake, Jake. We it's both too early. I sat it's too early. No. We, we know it's Kevin, we have this discussion every right. year. We have this discussion every year. It's too I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying there are a thousand movies you haven't seen yet. It's 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 irresponsible to say that the best picture Ooh. is already done. Well, I wouldn't call me irresponsible. You're yeah. asking a question right now whether or not first you're, man. No, you're saying, you know, but you're saying best picture is already done. And I, oh. I, I you can't say this that. This moment it's, in it's time. It's October 2. I think it's done. I do. You, I a, there, there, no, there, there is no it's it's just moment in time. I'm not saying it. No, but like, I mean, yeah, we, we haven't seen Green Book. We haven't even seen a trailer for a Clint Eastwood, Eastwood movie yet. We haven't mm-hmm. seen Romo. I mean, there are 10,000 movies. Sean, what are your thoughts? Weigh in. I could see Star is Born winning. 
I think any movie that comes out in October sets itself up for a very difficult run because it has to maintain its status for a very long time. And and the only conversation once the movie is out becomes, well, why aren't you the movie? When did you know? Moonlight when did Moonlight come out? Mm, Wasn't that November, earlier? In December? The year? November, December, I thought. Um And then La La Land was when? Like November, right? Yes, and La La Land was, you know, the presumed favorite, which I think kept a lot of the focus off of Moonlight uh, came out October twenty first. Okay. So I mean like I could see Star is Born almost taking on the La La Land position of like everybody saying, oh, this will be the one. And then, and then there's the backlash. Suddenly it isn't. And then, and then find, it finds it every movie, every Oscar movie or every Oscar season, there's one movie that ends up like becoming a quick favorite and then having being around in the race for so long where it starts having to defend itself. One thing Star is Born has with La La Land, too, is that we always sort of say like, oh, the, the movie industry or the entertainment industry movie has a, a, a leg up because the Hollywood likes to reward its own kind of thing. But that backfired on La La Land also because uh, I thought that, believe me, I thought it was a shoe in you know, yeah. that that was a done deal. I was and the then, way and, Kevin feels about Star is Born right now. You know, and a lot of times, too, is that, that a lot of times people will start assuming that a movie's going to win. And because of that, they'll throw their supporter behind, they'll, and, which is why a lot of people say Tom Hanks hasn't received an Oscar nomination in coming up on 20 years because everyone assumes he's going to get nominated so they vote for someone else all right let me let me say two things here one uh uh i i will dial back my uh definitiveness on that on <laughs> i'm that. just giving you a hard time i, I know but i shouted I, you down I, I just genuinely think at this moment it's gonna win best picture but you know it's that's not crazy talk it's only no, no, that's not crazy talk i just think i agree saying the race no, is over is is, is premature i agree i agree uh two things i want to mention about first man um well right now <laughs> I have three number ones. Uh, those are my number ones. Uh, <laughs> I do. Now, again. I don't know why you do a top ten list. Well, I've never, uh, ever, at the, at the end of the year, made an actual official tie on my list. I'm going to decide. But right now, Ready Player One, First Man, and Star is Born are my number one movies of the year. Easily. No question. And I actually don't know which one I'm going to pick. I'm seeing First Man for a third time Thursday. I'm seeing Stars Born for a second time Friday. I've seen Ready Player One six or seven times already. I don't know which one is going to be my number one, but right now they're both on even playing fields. And all three of those are better than Infinity War. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, way better. And, and I think Infinity War is a great film, don't get me wrong. But here's, here's the thing about First Man. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'll keep this, uh, I, I do want to mention some of the filmmaking aspects of it because I don't think a lot of people really understand uh, yet, what went into making this movie, and Jake saw it with me, uh, and even Jake looked at me when I said to him, there's no green screen, he goes, but how? Uh, the movie has zero green screen, um, and listen, of an emotional storytelling point, Jake just nailed why the movie works emotionally. I agree with every point of that, but I think on top of that, what makes the film a masterpiece is the idea that the filmmaking is on par equally with the emotional element of the film. Um, the fact that Jake was mentioning the idea that the, the film puts you in situations that you don't normally see in a space film. Uh, the Gemini 8 sequence, the, the the launch, you're in the cockpit the entire time. I know, Sean, you were not a fan of the shaky camera. I thought that that was so brilliant because we are Neil Armstrong on that scene. Like Jake said, this is a Neil Armstrong film. We are his POV. And the fact that, that, that Damien Chazelle did that for the most part, all in camera. I mean, you're talking about gigantic LED screens surrounding these these capsules. These these. Did these... Nolan come up with that? 
Was that I don't know. His I don't know if he came up with it, but or he uh, popularized it. Well, Interstellar was yeah. This guy who did the production design for Interstellar did worked on the production design for First Man. Um, so for people who aren't aware of what I'm talking about, anytime they're looking out of a window in these spacecrafts in First Man, they're looking at actual images, actual imagery that was portrayed blasted onto an LED screen that's literally reflecting off the visors of the actors in their astronaut helmets. Um, if you go to my Twitter, uh, which is Kevin McCarthy TV, look at the interview I just posted with Ryan Gosling. Um, I put a ton of the behind-the-scenes footage up. You're going to see Lena Sangren, the, the uh, cinematographer, shooting sequences with these massive screens where they have like miniatures or elements of the capsules in front of these screens, and that's what you're watching when you watch it. The movie is shot very documentary style, and Jay can attest to this as well, and Sean, you can too. It's like you're watching somebody who filmed real footage of this exact moment in history. So if somebody were to go inside the capsule for the Gemini 8 launch with Neil Armstrong, that's what you would see. And I feel like Chazelle did almost the impossible by making us feel like we were somehow watching archival footage of Neil Armstrong and the astronauts. On top of that, Jake mentions one thing about the movie not being a moon a moon landing film. I agree 100%. And what I mean by that is the movie's not really about the failures that lead to this success, but also the deaths and the horrifying things that happened to a lot of these astronauts um, and a lot of people who flew with Neil Armstrong. And that weight, that emotional weight that weighs on him and which kind of turns him into a bit of a not a zombie, but he's not really a social person. I mean, he's, he's dealt with so much so many bad things that's happened in his life. So all I will say is this. On an emotional level, it's phenomenal. On a filmmaking level, it's phenomenal. And then you have Justin Hurwitz's score that just bl- that brings everything together. The main theme of Hurwitz's music that, that plays during the lunar module landing on the moon is one of the most as- astonishing pieces of music I've ever heard in my life. And it's all kind of based slightly around a song called Lunar Rhapsody, which is, uh, Jake, the song they listen to and they're dancing in the... Uh, in the in in the room um it is it's an astounding achievement and i i love it beyond belief i'm going for a third time thursday and i just i want people to listen i understand that inside baseball filmmaking might not be for everybody and i know jake and i have disagreed on this in the past that you know he doesn't want to know how the magic is done but the fact that that movie has zero green screen is pretty unfreaking believable and i think jake you even you is not a big like technical guy can appreciate what you were oh, watching absolutely. on screen. It was I cool. Mean, and, it was, and it's also cool too because I feel like green screen is, is something that's never really been perfected. No. Yet this looks amazing. So I feel like they, they instantly course corrected green yeah. screen. I mean, the idea that you can literally film these capsules and these crafts against a screen. Like Jake, do you, I don't know if you were, if it was Jake, if you asked me this question where the shot where you saw the earth and you saw the piece of the capsule fly off and land back. We were like, how are they doing that? That's what they're doing. They're literally having an earth on the screen and then they're detaching the capsule and letting it fall. Wait till you see the on, wait till you see the footage of Ryan Gosling and Corey on the moon. They had a 200,000 watt lamp light that was the sun. And then they had to deal with shadows. I don't know how they made this movie. I don't understand it. And I've seen footage of it. I don't get it. So to me, here's what he did brilliantly. And this is the last thing I'll say about it. You have a filmmaker who has mastered a technical and an emotional level for a film. And I think sometimes it happens in the, uh, the other way around. Sometimes you have just a cool technical achievement and not a great emotional achievement. 
this is both. And that's why I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's truly remarkable what he pulled off. Counterpoint? Do I get to go? Yeah, go. <laughs> it's technically impressive, but it is a lifeless movie. Wow. It, it it doesn't have the emotion, or I don't see the emotion that you see in it. And and I think a, a big hurdle to it, which is a design of the film, is that its protagonist is an emotionless person. Which I, I think arguably, well, arguably, I think he has to be. I think all of the astronauts, and somebody made this critique too, and I find this was a critique that was leveled at Dunkirk, and I find it interesting that, that you don't see this as a problem. I never knew who the people were in the movie. Like, I knew who Ryan Gosling was, and I kind of knew who Corey Stoll was, because it's Buzz Aldrin. But all the other people that were in the team with them, um, I don't know who they were. They were just generic white astronauts to me but here's and the thing though you're also combining wait, wait. okay go ahead go ahead Sorry. let me finish let me finish so i never really got caught up in or swept up in the emotion of it because neil armstrong as our surrogate into the story is an emotionless guy and i that's who he is and that's fine i i, I wouldn't want him to be portrayed like harrison ford you know with overly charismatic and and winking at the audience it's not who he was but so when you have to tell this story with using him as our entrance way into the story, he never it never hooked me um, as a as a lead. And then so because of that, one element that I've discussed with you guys that really that that I don't like in the movie that didn't work for me is his home life and his and his, his stuff with his kids and the stuff with his wife. Um, and there we'll get into conversations later when we can talk about the film in depth. Um, every time that it got away from the impossible obstacles to overcome at NASA and had to deal with Neil being at home because the the story is basically he didn't feel comfortable at home, then I never felt comfortable when he was at home. Like, and I never understood, you know, th- that sacrifice that they're trying to say was so emotional and devastating for him. He never showed it, so I never felt it. So then later when the movie really has to make you take a big step with him, and I won't say why or what, um, it, it made no registry for me whatsoever. I just didn't feel a thing i didn't feel anything and the thing that you're the thing that you're referring to which we're gonna we're gonna hold off on uh detailing until later on um i think that moment to me is so perfect um it's so uh it's so warranted it's so needed it's so necessary it's exactly what i think those people would have done uh and i don't and jake vaguely oh i'm not even wait hold on hold on i'm not even talking about that specifically we're talking about the the ending of the thing i'm i'm even uh, we have to take it to a text chain i can't do it right now okay. i can't because it's going to give away too much it's going to be something spoiler i'll tell you what in the text chain that Jake, I'm do you think the to. movie is lifeless i think it, the movie is cold because it follows a cold person i think there are emotions that i feel in it but i think i think i think you're both right i think the movie follows a person who is a cold kind of somewhat awkward person and as a result, sort of feels that way as well. However, I do still feel things when things happen to other people. I yeah. feel emotions that he feels as a result of what happened to other people. Um, but I do feel like it is, I, I, I understand the Dunkirk comparison. Uh, I will say one thing and then we'll move on. Uh, if you get a chance, you're listening to our podcast, uh, see the film in IMAX. Uh, if you can, seek out a actual IMAX theater um well a, fil- a theater maybe like a science museum i know jake and if you live in chicago you have the navy pier if you live in dc you have the lockheed martin uh the entire moon sequence is shot on full-blown imax um if you do happen to go to like a 
uh, a normal movie theater that has an IMAX installed. Some of those theaters uh, are, are, are IMAX, but they're not real IMAX in the sense of they have the IMAX name on them. They will still expand. But the, the, the change from 16 millimeter film to 65 millimeter IMAX is astounding. Uh, and, and Damien explained it like when people were on the moon, there was a heightened sense of realism. And, 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 it, and that's what you're supposed to portray in that moment. Um, so I'm seeing Does it, it change the moment he steps out? Onto yes. the steps. So, well, you saw it. You actually saw it in the format that I'm jealous that you saw it in. Yeah. Um, and not to get too too nerdy in regards to numbers, but um, the format you saw it in was called one four three. And what that means is you actually got the full blown, genuine six story whatever it was you saw at Cinesphere IMAX shots. Um, we saw it, and I believe, and I could be wrong, a one nine zero format, which is the digital IMAX format, not the laser format. So it didn't go blow full up. It still blew up a little bit, yeah. but I just really recommend finding a science theater like Lockheed Martin National Air and Space. They have it. Jake has it at Navy Pier. Just go. Trust me. It's going to be it's insane. so strange that the studio doesn't support or I can't say they're not supporting, but like in these big moments when press are seeing it or when they just had this 60th anniversary NASA you know, screening in regional markets to celebrate that they didn't put IMAX prints out there well, for people to well, see. Well, because Especially clarify, considering how big of a deal the first IMAX preview or the first main IMAX preview was with Mission Impossible, they made such a big deal out of that. And right, now we all went like, to yeah, but never mind. Fallout. To, to, well, to, to clarify, we did see the film in IMAX, Jake. We saw the film in the, in the IMAX format that you will find in in the majority. Of the, in the majority of the IMAX theaters in this country are the format we saw it in. And that, that's yeah. that's the reality of the situation. Did you ask um, him about burning the prints? You were going to ask him about I'm why gonna, they aren't burning I'm prints. Gonna, I'm going to ask him tomorrow. So I'm sorry, I'll see him Thursday. So um, I am. Look that's, at you. Uh, and I, I, I got to give credit to a gentleman on Twitter, and I think, it was, I think his name is Anton, or uh, I, I'll look it up specifically and, and give him full credit uh, once we get into the next topic. Um, mm. But he's very adamant. Uh, he started a whole petition online about getting uh, 70 millimeter IMAX prints made for for um the, uh, for the first man so uh he actually uh has been very adamant about trying to get more of those out there but again the problem is the majority of imax screens in our country are not the full true imax that we're referring to so you have to think about it from a studio's perspective they're trying to get it into the as many imax theaters as possible jake will first man make your top 10 yes wait jake isn't it your number one no i, I don't have a number one right now I have eighteen number ones. When we walked out, when we walked out, you did say that might be yeah, my it's, number it's, one. Yeah, it's 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 near the top of my list. Interesting. Um, let me talk top. about another movie that I, it might be your top number one movie instead, and that's uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, a movie that we will review in depth uh, next week when more people can see it. But um, real fast, Jake, you that's going to make your top ten? Absolutely. It, it's uh, it's it's one of my it's one of my seventy four number ones. It, wait, did you? So you guys saw it. You <laughs> we guys saw it saw last it. night. You saw mm-hmm. it. So I've only seen the twenty it's minutes incredible. of footage. Yeah. How insane was that tracking shot in the hallway? It's insane. It's incredible. I I kind of I'm gonna be honest. I feel like you hyped that up a little bit for me. How? How could you overhype that scene? I I I don't know. I I I because so like it started to happen and I was like, oh, this is what Kevin told me about. And then when it happened, there was a little bit of like, ah, wait, 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 okay, how is it? Here's the thing, eight months prep, twenty eight well, takes. We'll, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about it after you see it. Twenty eight we'll takes. You it. Do you have any idea how hard that shot was? That shot really was like great. damn near impossible. It's he, insane Kevin, how they did that. Kevin, it is Tarantino esque. Oh, I can't wait. It's probably the best movie that Tarantino hasn't directed in a really long. Time. I'm I'm seeing it tonight, so we'll see. Yeah. 
I know. Texas afterwards. Ah, uh, let's get on to what Gabe is really testy. He keeps yelling at me. Oh, no, no. I've been watching Gabe's face this entire yeah. show, and this yeah. has been his face the whole show. He's loved it. <laughs> to be fair, I'm also, he's also dealing with me running around my apartment trying to shush my dog. Who yes, has finally fun. calmed down because the window washers are away. Look, Jake's this- going Gabe's okay. gonna have a heart attack one day on our air. It's gonna we happen. Are, it's, gonna... <laughs> it's gonna be when we discuss him interviewing the cast of Widows. Basically, uh, we are playing Monster Blend all October. We are using a horror theme uh, for the monster game, and we asked everybody on social media to play along with Monster Blend. Um, we have a pretty fun one lined up for next week. Also, I have to go and see what order we're going in. And look at that! I'm in the show notes, and there's no order for the way that we're supposed to go. Hmm. If only we had a producer. Uh, I'll say then that... His head uh, exploded from us <laughs> talking about things we weren't supposed to be talking Jake about. Jake gets to go first because I think we're going to want to save Kevin's for the end. Yeah. Um. The monster I picked is Freddy Krueger. Oh, nice. For a nice. lot of different reasons. Um. I'm just going to speed through them. One, in order for the character to work, it specifically needs to be played by one person. Um, Robert England played Jackie Earl Haley tried and he did his best, but it's it's Robert England's character. He, yes. It's not one of eighteen people that's played Jason or one of eighteen people that's played Michael Myers or a guy in a monster suit. It's got to be Robert England. Uh, it's a uh, character that has uh, a really dark, messed up backstory that a lot of people forget about. The, the dude's a pedophile. He's a pedophile that was captured by parents and then burned alive, and then has made it his mission to go and haunt the children of those people that burned him alive. Um, it, it, it was also borderline. He was a borderline scary guy, but also like weirdly funny. He's a, just this massive part of pop culture. Um, and, uh, and, and for so many reasons that, that, that sort of cap- captured that, I, I just think Freddy Krueger is, uh, is just to me, the pinnacle movie monster. Do you know what I love about Freddy is that when we get to my pick too, um, it works against my pick. Interesting. Is that if you if you don't like so my pick is Jason and I'll get the Jason interesting in a yeah. interesting but interesting. if you don't like Jason just don't go to the camp right right if you're scared of Freddy don't go to sleep right how Good do you do that, that? Good you luck can't with that. not do yeah. that that's a I great place that. yeah. that's a great yeah, tremendous that's, a, that's that that's that's like when you write yourself into a corner and come up with a great thing like with the, you know and, and I thought about the xenomorph too making the xenomorph's blood acid is a brilliant writing, a, a way to write yourself out of a corner because the easy answer would be, well, why don't you just shoot the thing or tear it down? You can't because then you tear a hole in your ship and you're all yeah. sucked out into space. Like, yeah, it's, the, like the, 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 So the dream thing with Freddy, the, uh, the, the acid blood with the xenomorph, it's, it's brilliant. The idea yeah. that you couldn't fall asleep in a Freddy movie is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in my life. And I also really liked him in that, that Tom Green movie too. He was really good in that as well. Yeah, so. when he, Freddy got fingered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a really <laughs> good <laughs> You know what I loved about the nightmare ones too is when people would they'd be slapping themselves to stay yeah. awake and then um you'd be in the dream but it would look like they were like in the normal thing but then like one thing would be off. So you didn't know like oh wait are we in the dream just yet? Like not when yeah. they would go yeah. to the school and you'd see a body bag getting dragged around but like if someone was in their room and they didn't know they fell asleep and then they're in the room yeah. and then all of a sudden like Freddie just comes up behind so yeah. great. So great. Dude, and yet John- Johnny Depp's yeah. death and the first one is just unbelievable. <laughs> oh my god, that it's scene really is so brutal. It's just the blood just going out of the bed. Oh, wait, Sean, I, tell me, Jason. I picked Jason because um, it's favorite, not best. 
And I loved the Friday the 13th movies. I love yeah. them unapologetically. I think that they are, that's my type of horror. I like really cheesy slasher 80s horror. Um, it's great to me. I love the fact that the filmmakers just keep bringing kids back to Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> and it's all about how do we get them naked? Uh, how do we get them in uncompromising positions so that Jason can come through and, and come up with really creative ways to kill him. And I love the fact that he doesn't really have a motivating factor behind him, except the fact that he looks like a badass with a hockey mask. And he he's a mama's has, boy has an amazing machete and some amazing other, you know, tools that he can use. And, uh, it became like the, we talked about this briefly, uh, on one of the other episodes of horror movies at that time, you went to the horror movie to, to cheer on the, the creature, to cheer on the villain. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it wasn't until years later, cause I grew up on nightmare on Elm street films and Friday 13th movies and having fun watching people get stalked by these guys that I finally uh, caught up with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And, and it disturbed me so much that I was like, this isn't fun. Like Leatherface is really, (laughs) he's an awful person and he hung that girl on a hook and she's still alive. And and he wears a mask made out of human skin and uses a chainsaw. Like this is, that's what horror should be. Horror to me was always like, like scream you know it's it had fun elements to it and it was creative and um i just loved coming up with creative ways that jason killed people and so uh yeah i i I, he's my favorite monster movie i don't think he's the most effective i think he's more comedic um i think i think if i were to choose best i would choose hannibal lecter Oh, I'm sorry. I don't get to say Hannibal Lecter, but Kevin gets to say his choice. No, I just don't know what Hannibal Lecter's really done. Like, what did he? What did he do? He sat in a cage and was like, he was well performed by Anthony Hopkins, but is he terrifying? He, uh, the people that were yes. eaten, I would say so. Yeah, I think Gary Oldman is scarier looking in in the Hannibal movie. Oh, is his, Mason Verger? Yeah, yeah, with his face all deformed. Sean, That's is a scarier it true? Deal. Is it true that the uh, that the the Friday the Thirteenth like DVD box? It says, um, it says Jason goes to Manhattan is better than Forrest Gump. Is that what that says on there? I, I, I would believe I, that. I actually certain. believe that. Oh, I actually, Sean, if I'm Sean. ranking movies, I would put Jason goes to Manhattan. I actually like of Forrest Gump. I like Manhattan to be honest. I'm, yeah, because it's not a bad movie. Uh, it's not. That, it's actually kind of funny. Remember that boat scene? He's like comes out of the water. I don't, I don't know. I like Jason goes. It's to great. Manhattan. Actually, I actually like Jason X also, where he wakes up in space on a spaceship. <laughs> I love um, Freddy. Freddy those vs. movies Jason aren't bad, and Freddy versus Jason is great. I love those movies. Love I, I love those movies wholeheartedly. And when people try to tell me that they're not good, they're lying. How did so. Kevin Smith not sue that movie for a character that looked just like Jason, Jay and Silent Bob, like Jay? Remember the remember the guy, the stoner guy in Freddy versus Jason, he had the long hair. Yeah, he, he probably took as a compliment. I know. No, no, no. Does I mean was it the same studio? I mean, does Kevin Smith own those characters? I don't oh, I'm know. sure I he does know. all his characters. Yeah. Yeah. I think he should. All right, Kevin has a controversial pick. Well, and, first of uh, all, he's I gonna make to, Jake very angry. I need so. to explain. First yes. of all, I don't really fully understand hashtag monster blend. I don't okay. understand what the parameters are because apparently there's a lot of guidelines that, that if it fits your narrative, then then it's fine. So I first of all didn't understand that we had to go full horror. Um, I thought Monster Blend just to me sounds like who's a monster in a film. Now it's a Halloween theme. Now Halloween, we're doing this during we're doing this during the month of October. Like I could have picked Ray Fiennes in Schindler's List. But He's the bl- a monster. But, but okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So then I clarified with uh, Gabe on text earlier. I yeah. said, Gabe, what 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 do you mean by by monster? He goes, well, you know, any 
a character who's inflicting horror. Uh, and I said, okay, um, so can I go with, the, with, with a pick that I want to go with? And he said, no, that one doesn't count. I said, what, <laughs> a, I said, what, about, what, about, what about Ghostface from Scream? Now, that's not really a monster. That's also multiple people. Then on top of that, then I, said, then I told Jake my pick. And, I'm sorry. Then Jake was talking about other ones that he thought were monsters yeah. in movies. He said, yeah. Predator. I said, oh. Well, that Predator is a literal monster. That justifies my pick then. Yeah. Because Predator is uh, in a sci-fi film, not yeah. a horror movie, but you are consider, you're considering him or her to be a... <laughs> I actually don't know the sex of the Predator. I, I don't remember. I'm not sure either. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you consider that to be <laughs> a valid choice in the monster blend. Am I right, yeah. Jake? Jake? Yes. Okay. <laughs> So my pick is completely valid. I went with the T-1000 from Terminator 2. And, and that's I, com- I think that that's a fair pick. It's not even the scariest Terminator. Uh, well, first of all... He is, though. He's the most unstoppable Terminator. It's one of the most frightening characters ever. Because the guy literally had no motivation <laughs> except for to kill John Connor. And he would do anything to do it. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting to me because monster... I don't even consider Michael Myers to be a monster. Is he's a, he's a human being in a mask. See, right. see uh, Gabe's shaking his head, but, like... You know, Jason Voorhees, is he really a monster? I mean, I guess he's dead and he, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Freddy. Somewhat supernatural. Freddy, you know, so I, I don't really understand what monster means. So I'm going with a character who I think inflicts horror. So if right. Jake considers the Predator to be a valid choice in this game, there's no reason why T-1000 cannot be. And now, Jake, I, would you argue that the T-800 is scarier than the T-1000? Yes. That's okay, not is, a bad argument. Is he a because monster? I, because I also think that that he's a robot. Is he a monster? Sure. Yes. I think both are monsters. Okay. And I think both are valid. Okay. So the T-1000, I mean, think about the ending scene when he's getting all blown up in pieces and then ends up in that steel molten pit and he's like turning into different people's faces. That dude was like a shapeshifter. He could make knives out of his hand. He's not much different from Freddy Krueger in the sense that he could like manipulate things with knives and whatever it was, he could stab. John Connors' step-parents think he's a monster. Right. So I'm just They got stabbed through the milk. Yeah. That scene is horrifying. That's scarier than most scenes. And that, that, that scene alone, think about how freaky yes. that scene is when they, when, when she has her hand extended onto the refrigerator and pulls it out as the milk carton falls and, and, and Todd, Todd falls down. And then he goes out and kills the dog in the special edition. That's a Horrible. monster. Okay, they, they took that scene out because it was too monster, right, Jake? I'm with Kevin. So I'm, I'm with Kevin. My point being that <laughs> if the idea and criteria of a monster is someone who inflicts horror on people, why yeah. can't T-1000 be that if you allow Predator in your thing? That's yeah. where that's where I disagree. So I need to screen grab Jake. I will say this. I will say this. <laughs> to keep it with a horror theme. Yes. To, to, to make it a little more fair if you want me to stick within that guideline of boundaries, even though Predator... Don't care there. anymore, Kevin. Well, I, I will say this. I, my favorite, my favorite movie, my favorite horror movie of all time is Evil Dead Two. Yes. I don't know what the monster would be in that film. The force itself, whatever goes into Ash's hand or right. the book. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't no, know. It's got to be a physical creature. It's got to be a creature. Okay. So see, there's a lot of guidelines here that you guys have set that I don't even understand fully. So I almost went with Brundlefly. That's a great one. That's yeah. a great one. That's a legit monster. And I know some people said the thing, the thing from the thing. Great. It's a great, it's a great choice. I mean, I saw, I saw, I was looking up. So when you guys said this, I was like, I don't know what, uh, what are the greatest monsters of all time? And like the, you know, the mist is on some of the lists out there and things like that. But when you're thinking, when you're thinking favorite, I, I, I just think of someone who's uh, the T-1000. I just thought he was an unstoppable, horrific force that just didn't care. I mean, 
Mike Myers, Michael Myers, yeah, that, that's a great choice as well. I mean, there, there's just so many things. You know, uh, Jake, do you remember a conversation we had with the guy from Universal over the weekend about why Michael Myers is one of the greatest horror villains or monsters of all time? Mm-hmm. Because yes. there's no reason for what he's doing. He has no, there's, I mean, like you mentioned, Jake, you mentioned Freddy's reasoning. Jason has reasoning. Mm-hmm. Not, not the saying these are valid reasons to do what they do, but what I mean is, Michael Myers, why is he doing this? We yeah. don't know. Yeah. And, the, and when he, the scariest thing Michael Myers does is that head tilt. That head tilt freaks me out. When he like looks at somebody who he's just killed and he's just like, like that, and like he's like <laughs> trying to figure out what he just did or what's going yeah, on. Yeah. That's ridiculously scary. Also, um, they're giving away the best scare. One of the best scares in the new Halloween movie is him in the closet and it's in the trailers and it annoys yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great, that's a great I moment. I hate that that's there. Yep. It's a really good moment. Um, hopefully we will lure Jake back into the, the conversation with um, next week's uh, blend game. We are going for our favorite horror deaths, uh, deaths in a horror movie. Old we're, Yeller. We're having a hard time with, <laughs> it is a horrible death, uh, with phrasing it, but I think we're going to just settle on uh, hashtag horror death blend. Horror death blend? It's a lot. That it's a mouthful. But I think people will, will follow along. They'll figure it out. This is a death in a horror movie. Now that Blend. is more specific. Blend. So it has See? to be a horror movie. Okay. Now that makes sense. And a death inside of that horror movie. Perfect. There, there's some very creative ones you can play with. Yeah, I mean, there's a million of them. It's, it's funny, right? You said that I looked over to my right and I saw the, the, deep, the Blu-ray for The Strangers, which I don't love that movie. But I always thought that scene was so terrifying when like it's just like the wide shot of the kitchen. And he just walks in. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if you remember that scene, but out. it was whew, freaky, man. To me, one of the all-time scariest lines in any movie is "because you were home." Yeah, it's just a really like the, the, she, you know, they're they're bloody yeah. and they're beaten and, and they're they're on the couch and they're tied up and they're about to die and they sort of mumble like, "Why are you doing this?" And yeah. and one of the girls just says, "Because you were home." Oh god, that is which terrifying. is just like that's horrifying. Well, we will be back at this next week where we will get into some more of the first man debate. Um, we will fully review Venom uh, where the other guys can weigh in. Uh, we will probably talk about the next delay in uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix's production schedule. And uh, we will play hashtag horror death blend. So play along with us at home. Sean, when are yeah. you seeing first man again? I don't think I'm going to. Um, yeah, that's a problem. I'm going to. I'm going to try not to. That's going to be an issue. I wanted to see it last night, but then they didn't put it in IMAX. And instead I went to go see El Royale and it ends up becoming like one of my top movies of the year. That was a huge um, left turn that worked to my advantage because I was on my way to first man for a second time and I would have got there and it wouldn't be IMAX and I'd be annoyed. And then everybody I know would have told me how great El Royale is. And then I'd be really ticked off. So thank you for watching us on the Facebook page. If you are downloading us on iTunes or Spotify, head on over, drop us a review. We're still trying to get to a hundred star ratings before we get to the end of the year. Or like I said, we're gonna have to kick Jake off the podcast. Unfortunately, uh, we can be found at real blend R E E L B L E N D. You can also send us your picks. If you're not on Twitter at an email, uh, real blend at cinemablend.com. I threw out a while ago that we're really hoping that somebody with some musical abilities can give us um, music to open the show because Gabe won't let us pay for the the rights to songs that we like. 
and use as introductions because I know Kevin has probably a great Metallica riff or something that we could use dude, for our uh, intro. Uh, dude, the best intro ever would be Pantera, Pantera's Walk, man. If we could open yeah. up with that, that would be that'd so be fantastic. Sick. So if we could just yeah. uh, we could just a... do it ourselves, like da 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 da. Then we could all just come in and like do the guitar parts and the drums and there you come go. on, man, be awesome. Putting it together. So we will be back next week. We don't have a time yet, but we'll figure it out. We'll put it on the Twitter feed. And uh, until then, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Dunkirk and Solo. Dunkirk. Also solo. T-1000 isn't a monster. Dunkirk, yes he is. Neither, <laughs> if you think the Predator is, then yes he is. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.